0: three times. The word believer is only found twice. But as we are recognized in the New Testament is as disciples. Last week's message was the difference between a disciple and a consumer. We talked about how consumer Christianity seems to have a grip on today's people. A consumer comes to church saying, I want the best deal at the best price. So come on pastor, you got 55 more minutes and I'm out of here. Don't ask for anything more. And you know what? That type of lifestyle has defamed the church of Jesus Christ in America. The problem that we mentioned last week in review is that because our church only looks out for itself, the inner cities in the troubled areas of Chicago are now suffering. Chicago had over five hundred murders in two thousand and nine, which made us the murder capital of America. Not just per capita, but by number itself. So the city you live in has more murders than New York City. Think about that. That is troubled times. Because there aren't true Christians today in the church, we've learned that we don't have finances to do the mission work for. For the Lord. Listen to this statistic. Those of you in this church, it's talking to you. The Bible says to give to the poor, to the needy, but statistics say that people in the American church will spend more on dog food. Somebody say dog food more on dog food in a month than they will on missions. So that means when we talked about giving to missions, most people who have little dogs, little little cats, will spend $50 taking care of them, manicuring them, maybe getting little bootsies for the winter, getting little you know, little puppy treats. $50 a month, and on average that person does not give that to missions. Come on, think about when was the last time you gave an average of $50 to missions. So the American Christian spends more on dog food than they do on missions. Another problem problem that we see in the American church, because we don't talk about discipleship, is that people get easily offended. People don't understand the cost of Christianity. As you heard in my prayer for missions, right now in New Delhi, the Indian Christians are suffering persecution from the Hindus. The extreme Hindus are burning down their churches in this area. They're cutting off their limbs so they can't work agriculturally. This is serious stuff. Voice categorizes the persecution around the world in India. Pakistan, Afghanistan, and parts of Africa and Somalia have it the worst. But here in America, getting up today was quite a chore, wasn't resonant. And it's like we're so proud of ourselves. I did it. Here I am. We're not willing to suffer. We're not willing to offend our neighbor. Oh, I don't want to talk about Jesus even though they tell me dirty jokes every day. I don't want to talk about Jesus even though this person gossips to me every day. And we become weak and powerless. But at the end of last week's message, we talked about what you can do to be a disciple. We talked about laying down your life, following Jesus, following him no matter what. He says, if you love me, then you will follow my commands. And he said that these commands are not burdensome. So that means following Jesus can be fun. Can you smile now and say, it's fun. Okay, it's fun. Now look at Mark chapter 16, because today we're going to talk about how to be this disciple. You have to make a decision to be a disciple. That means you're just not saying, I believe. You're more than just a believer. You're a doer. There was a story once about a man who uh, did a unicycle on a tight rope in a circus. He would do his little unicycle and the crowd would get excited. Then he would do it blindfolded, really high up in the air. He'd do it frontwards and then backwards. And then one day he said, guys, I'm going to do it over this great crevasse. I'm going to go over this great valley, 300 feet up, like a Grand Canyon type thing. I'm going go from side to side. How many of y'all think I can do it? The crowd cheered and got loud and excited. He said, meet me there tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to do it. He came over there and he had all of his equipment set up The crowd was there just like how you would see like an evil Knievel the cameras Everybody was there and then he said how many believe I can do it? They screamed and hollered He said how many believe I can do it blindfolded? They screamed and hollered They said how many believe I could do it with somebody on my shoulders? They screamed and hollered and then he picked out the one that was screaming and howling the loudest, us and he said then get on my shoulders You see belief went real quick to reality for that person. If you believe it, hop on. You see, and sometimes we think when we talk about believing in God, He's so proud of us because we believe in Him like we do Abraham Lincoln. Sure, I believe in Jesus. He lived. I believe in Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, but has it changed your life? Has it impacted the way you live your life? Do you talk to Abraham Lincoln when you're all by yourself? Do you consult Abraham Lincoln for life decisions? If you do, we have another time of prayer for you. Amen. He'll be in the back room in a private place. But Jesus is a relationship. So it's not just, I believe, as a mental ascent. And it's not just throwing a coin into a wishing well when I pray. It's I'm talking to Jesus. I know Jesus. He knows me. And I'm living for him every day. I'm on his shoulders. Wherever he leads, I follow. Amen? Look at Mark 16. Here's how to be a disciple. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So everybody say, I'm saved by belief. So we're not saying you're saved by good works. Never confuse the two. We believe once you're saved, you are to live as a disciple. But faith alone is what saves you. The Bible says, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Everybody say, that's fun. They will speak in new tongues. Somebody say, Amen. they will pick up snakes with their hands. Where are the snakes at? No, I'm just kidding. And and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And what this is talking about is invincibility. The Bible says that one time Paul was preaching, a snake jumped on him, bit him in front of the whole village. He shook off this poisonous snake, kept on preaching, and because of that sign, it was a proof to them that God was with him. Then there was another time that's mentioned in church history that they tried to poison one of the disciples by putting poisonous liquid into his drink. He drank it and still lived, and it was a testimony to those people. So we're not going to be like those in the Ozarks testing the Lord right now, passing around this uh, snake-handling, drinking poison type thing. Can you look at your neighbor and say, I'm happy we're not doing that? Amen. Praise God. And it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick, and they will get well. Somebody say, awesome. All right, verse 19, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, then the choir members, no, then those that just came on Sunday looked real cute with their family, the Bible says, then the what? Say it like you mean it, then the What? Thank you. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So the Lord worked with them. Look at your neighbor and say, You got some work to do, baby. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Work it. Come on, I'm going to give you five principles right now on how to be a disciple, what you can do for Jesus right now. Here they are. Write them down on the back of your uh, announcements or your notes. Number one, be with jesus the most important part of being a disciple is being with jesus we can't learn from jesus unless we're with jesus i call this our devotional life to be devoted to someone 24 7 to not neglect them look at mark chapter 3 verses 13 and 14 this is what jesus said to his disciples he called them up to be with him put it up there for me brother mark three thirteen. The Bible says that Jesus went up onto a mountainside and called to to him those he wanted, and they came to him. I want to ask you a quick question. Have you heard Jesus call you, and have you come to him? That's where it starts right there. You've got to hear Jesus calling you. I got saved November 5th, 1995 at my mother's kitchen table because I heard Jesus calling me. This is not imagination. This is not Peter Pan. This is the real deal. Jesus can speak to you. That's what salvation is. It's God calling you, and you come to him. And how do you come? Do you come your way like Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. I lived in adultery, I swore on the job, I lived Christianity my way. I came on Christmas and Easter, and I was a creaster. I went to a funeral, and the guy uh, was laid out. They put his bear's uh, big blankie on top of him, it was an older gentleman, a little weird, put his bear, big bear's blankie on him, and then the son-in-law came up and sang that song. And I said, I said to myself, I hope he didn't do it his way, or he's in hell right now. Because you don't do it your way. You do it his way. Look at it where it says again, Jesus went on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. The first key of being a disciple is being with Jesus. We call this the devotional life. I want to give you three ways to be with Jesus. Write them down. Number one, reading your Bible by yourself in private devotion. Get a Bible translation that you understand have audio bibles that you can get onto your ipod i listen to them all the time jcsm look it up on itunes free niv bible in the old testament and new testament jcsm look it up on itunes you can go to biblegateway.com audio bible for at least three translations even in spanish latino any latino hermanos and hermanas here yeah 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 Whatever other language you speak in Polish, BibleGateway.com. You might be saying, Pastor, you're going fast. I don't know where to do with all these. You know where they're at? They're on our website under links and you can find them under resources. Why? Because we want you to read your Bible on your own. How ought you to do it? Get a Bible reading plan so you can consistently read your Bible. I like to do some in the old, some in the new, and one or two right in the middle. So that means that you can get a Bible program that will teach you how to go one or two chapters from Genesis onward. But if you just stick with Genesis, You might get lost in the begats. You know what I'm saying? You might get lost in Leviticus when you're being commanded to sacrifice cows, okay? So what you do is you start in the Old Testament, read one or two chapters that day. Then you go to the New Testament, read one or two chapters, and then pick a psalm or a proverb. I didn't make it up. There's Bible reading plans that do it just like that. Look at your neighbor and say, read the Bible. The second thing that you need to do is make time for private prayer, not just in church, but by yourself. You need to get alone with God and talk to him. How do I like to do it after I put the kids to bed, after I put my wife to bed, amen, because she needs to be tucked in, kissed as well. Then I pray, and how do I pray? I put on headphones, put on my favorite worship music, and I do two and three together because the third one is worship God. So make time to pray make your requests unto the lord if you like the our father prayer You can look at the our father prayer as a way to pray in a disciplined format Jesus wasn't teaching us to pray the same prayer over and over and over again Because he said the verses before that the pagans pray the same prayer over and over and over again So don't do that So I don't know why christians after they just heard jesus say don't pray the same prayer over and over and over again Took the lord's prayer and prayed over and over and over again Look at your neighbor say it's a workout routine Start off prayer like this, our Father which art in heaven, start off all your prayers glorifying God. You don't have to say those exact words, our Father which art in heaven. Just say, God, I love you. You are so awesome. I glorify you. Thank you for being God in my life today. Start off by praising God, our Father, which are in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Talk about the names of God. He is El Shaddai, the great God. He is Elohim, the God formed in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is Jehovah Jireh, your healer. He is Jehovah Rapha, your provider, He is Jehovah Shalom, your God of peace. He is Jehovah Rohi, your shepherd. He is Jehovah Shikinu, your righteousness. He is Jehovah Mikadesh, the God who sanctifies. All of that is in his name. When you say, Hallowed be your name, some of y'all just thought his name was God. Okay. You You got some studying to do in the Bible hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done. You see, the first thing you pray for is for God's things to be done, not your things. So you start off, God, I love you. You're so awesome. You're my provider. You're my healer. I'm trusting you today with everything that I need. And God, I pray for you to use me for your glory. God, use the small group that I'm in. Help me to reach my neighbor. You see, you put your needs last. God's needs go first. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us our daily bread. Now when you pray for provision, it's not us for it. No more, God. Come on. I just need it. Whatever you pray to be blessed with, you're blessed to be a blessing. God, bless me with this house so I can provide for my children and their friends and for their children and their friends. So from generations to come, there'll be a place where I can have a kingdom here for them to learn about your kingdom. God, I pray for you to bless me with this car so I can look real nice going to work. But if my neighbor needs a ride, I can help them out as well. Give us our daily bread. And then hold not our trespasses against us. and pray for forgiveness. God forgive me. I got some junk in the trunk. I've messed up this week. I cut off somebody and I gave them the finger. I cut somebody out. I took some from work that didn't belong. That's how you pray. And then at the end it says, "Thy kingdom come." Or it says, "Uh to be the glory, the honor and the praise forever and ever." Amen. You give it at the end, praise back to God. God is all about you. That's how you pray. Three things to do. Read your Bible, pray, and then second, worship. John chapter 4 talks about worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. It's not just clapping your hands or raising your hands or kneeling, though all of the posture has something to do with it, but it's in the heart. The Bible says, worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. So when you get on your job, put on your headset and work as unto the Lord, that's worship. When you're by yourself, girls and guys, and you're all lonely as teenagers and they want to put on Lady Gaga, Ellie, 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 Alejandra, you know, whenever that song goes, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, you put on some of the adults like, yeah, I get it. Okay, When you want to worship, put that on and then love him. And then obviously when you're by yourself in that prayer time, put on some of the best worship music that you can find. And then just sing the songs back to him. But it's not just singing songs in a place. Remember, it's the postures, the attitude you have throughout all the days of your life. Everybody say a devotional life. There it is. The Bible says he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. If you would have hung out with Jesus, that would have been what your life was like. Jesus was all about the Word. Jesus could quote the Word from memory. They didn't carry around squirrels. He knew the Word of God. He always prayed so much that he got up early and stayed up late, and his disciples asked him how to pray because they saw him pray all the time. And he worshiped God, and that's what he taught people how to do, was to worship God and to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can you say amen? Amen. The second thing is you need to be filled with the Spirit. Everybody say, spiritual life. Amen. Thank you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave these final words to his disciples. But you will receive power. The Greek word dunamis. You will receive explosive energy on the inside of you when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, also martyrs. You will share the faith unto death in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. Everybody say "Sheikaboomba, baby. You need to get the Sheikabumba. This is the fire of God. This is what the Wesleyans used to talk about. Have you got the fire of God? Have you been baptized? Just a little bit after the Wesleys, they would say, are you saved? Are you sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire? Oh, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I had a gospel group up here behind me. Woo! I'll preach it, y'all. I lived in the South. Come on. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. I got that Fire. Fire. Fire! I got that Holy Ghost in fire! Fire! You got to get that Holy Ghost in fire, baby. Look at your neighbor and say, Fire, ya. yeah. Woo! Come on. You can take the boy out the south, but the south out the boy. I'm still preaching, y'all. The Bible says that there will be a second experience after salvation. You will be saved. You'll know that you're saved. The sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit will come through you. You will stop desiring the things you used to desire. So for those of you who are not saved yet but you're trying to live saved, let me tell you what you're missing. The Holy Spirit. You can't live saved without being saved. I know so often people say, Well, I'm going to get my life right, then I'm going to come to church. That's like cleaning your car before you bring it to the car wash. That's like saying, I'll go to the doctor when I get better. That doesn't make any sense. You come to Jesus as a sinner, and then He saves you. Amen? He gives you the power to stop sinning. And then, as a second work, the Bible talks about being infilled and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that infilling is speaking in other tongues. Look at Your neighbors say it ain't scary. You see, the Bible describes all throughout the book of Acts the experience that happened every time the Holy Spirit came upon born-again believers. It starts on the day of Pentecost. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. They speak in other tongues and prophesy. It then moves to Cornelius' house. While Peter is preaching, they begin to speak in tongues and they praise God. Then it moves to the time that Philip goes to Samaria. Tongues is not mentioned, but but a man that practiced witchcraft saw the sign and then he wanted to buy it. And I think of it like this. If you think of chris angel who does magic stuff at las vegas anybody know who chris angel is i'm kind of telling on myself but i do like chris angel okay so chris angel does these tricks he goes to las vegas he puts on a show let me ask you a question would chris angel want to buy the ability of what most pastors do on sunday no, that would bore his people. Would you want to buy that to do that? Would they want to buy what you see on Christmas and Easter? No. But when my man in the Bible saw what the disciples were doing, he wanted to buy it to put it into his magic act. And the Bible says that he was then cursed along with his money. But what do I think he saw? I think he saw ah, people prophesying, people falling out in the Holy Ghost, running around the building. He said, yeah, that would make a fun time in a magic show. Are you listening? Then it goes on to the time that a Priscilla and Aquila got hooked up with apollo and explained to him further the things of god we assume that that was meaning the baptism of the holy spirit then we understand that when paul met john's disciples he said have you received the holy spirit they said we don't even know there's such a thing as the holy spirit he laid their hands on them so they went from Baptists to bapticostals and started speaking in other tongues praise jesus so we see throughout the book of Acts that the, that the unanimous uh, manifestation or evidence of the Holy Spirit is the speaking in other tongues. So don't be afraid of speaking in other tongues. And it's not just for elite believers. It is for everybody. The Bible always mentions that all of them were filled and spoke in other tongues. And what is it for? Why do we speak in other tongues? To look silly? To, to confuse ourselves? No. We speak in other tongues to open up our spirit to the nine gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter. 12 the gifts of healing the gifts of discerning of spirit the gift of faith the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues and interpretation the gift of word of knowledge and the gift of wisdom are you all listening to me and the gift of miraculous powers, you'll never see people in the church healing the sick, raising the dead, prophesying, having words of wisdom and knowledge, casting out demons that don't first speak in tongues. Whenever we go overseas, as we see demons cast off, and I have it on YouTube for you if you want to see it, amen? But I don't know why every time I show it to people, people get freaked out. Like Ooh. I, I want you all to look at it and go, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if you watch the video, don't get freaked out because the Person, the demons talk, it's all over the place, amen. So, y'all think it's fake, it's real. Those that think it's fake, just come with me to Nepal and in India and we'll show you how it is, amen. And maybe with your neighbor next to you right now, we'll get it started in a little bit. Amen, we'll get them out. Sometimes they hide up in church, amen. But the Bible says that these gifts were not just for us to come to church and go, You speak in tongues? Yes, I do. No, that's not my tongue, by the way, okay? We're not just supposed to do it in church. Like, do you got it? Yeah, I got it. No, we're supposed to go out and be his witnesses, because these things are signs to the people that we're not just crazy, but God is with us. When somebody gets healed, that's a sign. When demons get cast out, that's a sign. When sick people get healed, that's a sign. When people receive prophecy, that's a sign. We remember Griselda, right here girl, raise your hand. Hey, we remember Griselda sitting in an Easter service. It was about three, four years ago. A preacher like me stopped preaching in front of the whole Easter crowd, told on her, said everything that she had been doing and been doing in secret in front of the whole congregation, and God said, I got a better plan for you. Ask her. Tears coming down her eyes. You don't have to go to a fortune teller or go to a psychic baby. It can come from God. Amen. Out of that testimony of hearing everything that God knew about her presented to her publicly, she got saved. That's why she's here today. Can you say amen? It's tight, but it's right. Number three, look at Romans chapter 12, verse one. The next thing we need to be is a living sacrifice. Pastor, how do we become a disciple? You become a disciple by being a sacrifice. You're going to have to lay down things in your life to follow Jesus. I know on Sunday we all come dressed up. We have a wonderful time together, but when we walk out those doors, we got to give up things. Some may have to give up their jobs. Some may have to give up relationships. Some may have to give up habits they've held on to for their whole life. That have even defined who you are. The Bible says you'll have to be a living sacrifice. Look at Romans 12 1. Therefore, I urge you. Look at your neighbor and say, I urge you. Come on, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. As a living sacrifice. Look at your neighbor and say, It's going to (laughs) hurt. It is going to hurt. When you think of sacrifice, do you think of laughs and giggles? We're going to be a living sacrifice. Really? Okay. Find me up. 1099. Best life now. When I think of a living sacrifice, I think of get out the Barbie. Get out the coals. Put the the lighter fluid on there. The Bible says that burnt offerings, burnt offerings were brought before God. And it was a sweet-smelling aroma to him. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament priests were more like butchers than they were like clergymen. They would sacrifice these animals and shed their blood and burn them on an altar because of the sins of the people. As a matter of fact, the Bible says Jesus came on the time of Passover and died that day, Friday evening in Passover, the same time they would kill the Passover lamb. And where did that Passover lamb come from? In the days of Moses, when the people of Israel were in Egypt, God sent a death angel to kill the firstborn males of all the people of Egypt because Pharaoh would not let God's people go. But he said to Moses, tell the people, if you kill a lamb, put the blood on your doorpost, the angel of death and judgment will pass over you. Somebody say, Passover. And so the Bible gets the principle from that day forward, without shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. The only reason why that death angel passed over the Israelites is because the sin was imputed unto that Passover lamb. Now, when Jesus came some thousand plus years later, he died that same day as the Passover lamb. And when he died, he said, it is finished. So that means all of our forgiveness, all of our atonement comes through Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Amen. The Bible says in first John chapter two, verse one, I write these things to you that you do not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate, the one that is righteous, Jesus Christ, with the father, who is not only the propitiation for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Look at your your neighbor say propitiation baby learn that word he is the propitiation that means he takes your place jesus is your substitute he didn't take the wrath of the devil on the cross he took the wrath of a holy god his father on the cross he wasn't dying on the cross because the devil made him do it he was dying on the cross according to isaiah 53 because it pleased the father to do it now where does it get to you when jesus called his disciples As he was going to the cross, what did he say to them? If anybody wants to follow me, he must deny himself and pick up his cross. Put another shrimp on the barbie, Father. I got another one. You're all looking at me crazy, but that's what it is. And you might be saying, what's burning? It's your attitude. It's your stinking thinking. It's those things that you hide in your life that nobody else knows but God knows. When you put that gold as it's found in the earth with all that dirt and mineral into a fire, you heat it up so hot it will go into every fiber of that gold, burn out the impurity, and that gold becomes purified liquid gold. God puts you in the fire as a living sacrifice every day to purify your attitude, to purify my thinking, to purify our motives. Why do you do what you do? Who are you doing it for? Why do you spend the money the way you do? Why do you have the relationship the way you do? Husbands, why do you treat your wives the way you do? Wives, why do you treat your husbands the way you do? How do you pray? How do you act? Every motive, every thought, action, and deed is judged by the Holy Spirit. He is with us. And the Bible says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. He's doing this because He loves us. Somebody said, oh, I'm not perfect, Pastor. That's right. That's why he wants to set you on fire so you can get perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's why he died for you. That's why he died. So that nobody's perfect card, you've got to put it away and use it at another church because that one don't work here. Amen. We believe that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. So once you come, all giggly, Jesus, you love me, and I know you love me just the way I am. Yes, I do, daughter, but get into the fire. (sighs) Jesus, I feel all this stuff going on in my life. Yes, I'm changing you. God, why are all these people driving me crazy? Because I'm taking away your attitude. God, why is it I don't have any patience anymore? Because I'm bringing around people to get on your nerves. The Bible says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true in proper worship, amen? That's why I was telling you, it's not just singing a song or clapping your, your hands as a form of worship. It's actually how you live when you walk out of here. It's not how loud you shout and how high you jump. It's how straight you walk when you get out of church, amen? God is looking for people who will live it like they talk it and talk it like they walk it, amen? So today, what God is saying as a disciple, have a sacrificial life. When you see things get uncomfortable in your life, realize God has them there to challenge you, to change you. And everybody say, marriage. That will do it real quick. Amen. Everybody married, say amen. Just get into a relationship with somebody else. You wonder why you're going crazy, wonder why my hair is going gray, all these different things. God is changing me. Amen. It was so funny. I I couldn't sleep last night, and uh, Nancy was was laying next to me, and I saw her foot just pop up in the middle of the night, just popped right up. So I just started massaging her foot. Then she woke up, saw me laying over, "Ah!" and she just hit me. I then hit her back. I went on her back. I go, poof, poof, don't hit me. And then she started to yell at me around 3 in the morning. I then said, forgive me. I am so sorry. I started to massage her back. I don't know if anybody has a relationship like that, but we just keep it real. Amen. Come on. Marriage will change who you are. Children, everybody say, parents. You see, parents will see in children what they can't see. Oh, I got a quiet amen on that. Come on, parents, say Amen. You see, part of the job as a parent is to pick out in their children's life what they can't see. That attitude, that throwing your clothes down, that coming in late, that not being able to save up your money. All of those things, the way you talk to the person next to you, the way you go to school, how you dress. All the reason why your parents care about that, young people, is because they want you to live a life pleasing unto God. They want you to be a living sacrifice. Amen? So if you're ever at home and young people, you're like, it's getting hot up in here. It's because your mom and dad are throwing some more wood on the fire. Amen. They're like, come on, Jesus, change her. Change your Lord. Everybody said, amen. Number four, John chapter eight, verse 31 through 32 says, be set free from sin. Everybody say the moral life. This tide rises into what we just said, God will burn it up, but then you have a choice whether or not you go back to it. The Bible literally says it like this in the book of Proverbs, that it's you, if you are forgiven of a sin and God has set you free, if you go back to that sin, that is like a dog returning to its vomit. Okay. That's kind of looking good over there. I'm a little hungry. Well, let me just give this a little try. Oh, it's good. That's what the Bible says. No more pornography. Ugh, it's done. It's over. Walk away. Bighooters.com. Oh, mm. That's what the Bible says. Like a dog returning to its vomit, so was a man returning back to his sin. It should disgust us to go back to our sin. We should look at sin as the very thing that crucified Jesus. When we look at the cross, it's just an easy way of forgiveness. We're abusing the grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, look to the cross when you're going to sin, and look what it costs Jesus. If you want to know how serious the Father takes sin, look at the cross. It's not a little sin. It's not just this one time. It caused the death of His only Son, Jesus. Now, is there forgiveness? Yes, there is forgiveness. But Jesus wants to do one better than just forgive you. He wants to set you free so you don't do it ever again. Look at what it says to the Jews who had believed in him. may say, I believe in Jesus. Amen. So these people believed in Jesus. So what did Jesus say to them? Now go about your way and I'll see you next Sunday. No, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Somebody say, really? Come on, say it again. Really, really. Thank you. You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. And another way of saying set is make you free. The Bible literally says that when you get the truth of God in your heart and mind and you hold on to it, it is that truth and the power of God that sets you free. So how does a man stay away from pornography? By knowing the truth that Jesus says adultery is a sin and that if he asks for help in his time of need, Jesus says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You hold on to that no matter what temptation you face, no matter how hard it gets, and guess what? You will be free from your sin. Same thing with bitterness. Same thing with unforgiveness. Anything that binds you up. Anything that just keeps you locked up. There was a story one time of a, of a man driving through the country selling some stuff door to door. And he'd never been in the country before, so he was kind of lost and he was driving. And he looked over at, at a big farm. And there in that farm was this little old scraggly dog. But this scraggly dog was so excited. It was jumping and doing backflips and yelping all over the place, running up next to the car. And he went up to the, the farmhouse. He said, I got to find out about this dog. He went and got the farmer, and the farmer came over to me and said, Look, man, I've never been in the country. I've never seen a dog like this. Why is this dog so happy? It's all scrawny and mangly. And the farmer said, Because I found this dog when I was out hunting one day. Somebody had left it chained to a tree to die. When I found him there, he was on his brink of death. But I took him back and fed him. And since then, he's been happy being free. You see, if you look at your neighbor, when they're clapping and praising God, they look crazy. You just don't know where they used to be and how free they are now. When you look at me preaching the way I do, sweating and hollering, you don't understand why I'm so happy. Because you haven't been where I've been and walked through what I walked through and seen Jesus pull me out of it and set me free. If you knew what I knew, baby, you would be praising and shouting like I do. And so don't look crazy at your neighbor. They may look cute and cuddly right now, but you don't know the muck and the mire that God pulled them out of and to set them free. It's a good thing to be free. Can you say amen? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. God is looking for people that will allow Him to set Him free. Some of the people that hold on to that chain, God's saying, I told you you're free, but you won't let go. Don't let the past keep you in the past. Step out of your past and into your future. Trust that God's got a better way. Sometimes you might be afraid. Sometimes you might feel like you've fallen so hard you can't get back up. Sometimes you might feel that everybody around is looking at you. I want to tell you something. Hold on to His Word. Jesus will set you free. And there's no feeling like being free. Because the Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. I will be free and keep my freedom. That's what we fight for in America, is to keep our freedom. Now you know why we got to fight with the devil, amen? Put him up, put him up. See, because when I see that devil coming, you see, some are bound by the devil, and he's their slave master. But once you've been set free from that pimp, the devil, you see him coming, you want to pimp slap him, amen? Because you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You get sick and tired of him kicking your butt all over the place. Sometimes you just want to kick devil butt, amen? We a kick devil butt generation. Say amen. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of God. Why? Because the gates are trying to keep us out. Satan wants to keep your family. Satan wants to keep our communities. But the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're not knocking on Satan's door to get back our family. We're kicking them down in Jesus' name. We're plundering hell and populating heaven. We've come to be generation shakers, history makers, and roof breakers in Jesus' name. The Bible says four men grabbed one man, brought him to Jesus, couldn't get in because of the crowd but they went to a roof tore off the roof and let him down why because jesus saw their faith that they had tenacity and said because of what y'all four did this man is saved and healed he's looking for some people to get free and set others free look at your neighbor and say freedom, freedom. and i'm not just talking brave art here this is jesus christ raising up some disciples everybody say wow That's what I'm talking about. Us be soldiers, stand to your feet as the band comes. Will you bless the Lord today for the Word of God in the house of God? Thank you, Jesus. As the band comes today, here's the fifth principle of what God wants you to do. He wants you to have a ministerial life. Everybody say, "I got to do something." God is looking for you to change the world. You might say, "Little old me," yes, little old you. He's not looking for big, strong. Wise people matter of fact the bible says rich people well-to-do people wise people It's hardest for them to get into the kingdom of god Why because they become self-reliant Just think about yourself most of you here have your own money have your own car If I asked you to pray in this church for five hours Most of you would get bored and be preoccupied by all the things you have to do But when I go to india they pray five hours before I even get there The pastor that I was with was waking up at 5.30 in the morning doing his devotions right next to me. And I felt bad when I said, Brother, can you please do that in another room? I'm tired, Brother. You just had me preach six times. The only prayer I'm praying is, Lord, help me sleep. And I'll never forget Pastor Amit's face as he just walked into the other room. He was probably thinking to himself, God, we prayed for missionaries, but not these kind. What is this American kind of missionary you're sending me, sleeping past 5.30? What are they thinking? But I had a doubtful sleeping on the couch, and he prayed with them every 5.30. He got up. But we think about ministry like that, don't we? Like we've we got to be somebody great. i got to pray like Pastor Amit. I, I've got to be impressive here. i gotta, I got to put on a show. No. God is looking for people like us. I don't know if you've ever studied the life of the disciples, but they're awesome, interesting people. Who encourage you, Peter, fishermen, Have you ever watched Deadliest Catch on TV? Those dudes. That's that's, that's who Jesus picked. You come with me, man. You sure? I drink beer. Yeah, you. Come on, Bubba. You're the first one I'm picking. Tax collectors. that will be like God find the most crookedest alderman you could find. Be like, hey. I want to trust you to write the Gospel of Matthew. Come on. Teenagers, John, probably about 15 years old, just got done putting on some acne medicines, kind of smells that kind of alcohol smelling on his face. You know what I'm talking about. Have his little do look. Come on, John, you're going to be a man of God. You're going to be the one that lives the longest, and you're going to be boiled alive, but you're going to be an awesome preacher. I'm going to show you heaven. Okay, dude, I'm coming. John was probably about 14, 15 years old. Judas was a zealot. This was a military man. He was a part of the revolutionary army of the Jews. Not Judas Iscariot. There was two Judases. The other Judas. The disciples were just ordinary people. And then somebody's like, where's the ladies? Mary, Martha. Just sisters. They weren't even married. So some people are like, man, I'm still single. I don't feel right. That's okay. There were single women that served God. Then there was another woman that was a prostitute. Jesus loved her. Set her free. The Bible says he saw a demon-possessed man, and and this man would tear himself at the tombs. He was naked. Jesus set him free, cast out a legion of demons. The man said, can I come with you? Jesus said, you go back home and preach to your people. Could you imagine the first preacher that you have come to your village was the naked, demon-possessed dude? Hey, guys, I want to tell you about Jesus. Bob, can you put on some clothes first? I'm glad you're in your right mind, but let's start preaching to the parents, okay, bud? Can you you just imagine? He's Was that the naked dude at the tombs? That's the one Jesus sends us? I mean, could you have sent us Paul or Peter? I mean, you sent us the naked dude at the tombs. Yeah, I'm that guy, but let's get on. Let's preach, you know. But that's how Jesus picked them. It's almost, really, really, it's actually almost the opposite. It's almost like Jesus picks the most craziest, weirdest people. Is that kind of like me? Kind of like you. Yeah, he kind of, he picks the weirdest of the bunch. He picks the, the Davies. Not to make fun of Davy now, but got to kind of play off of this to, to a good way now. But Davy came to the youth group. His family got saved. There's David Carrasco ishmael came to church because his mom used to come but then he just loved music got into rock and roll loved smashing pumpkins but then god touched his life josh kind of left the church was partying hooked up with his girl on the porch because she was coming home but that became maddie his wife they had a child together and said we need to get back in church now they serve the lord Griselda was a bartender her picture that I remember her from that she had that I always bring up was her holding a beer a corona Hey white waving at the picture So some of you guys who have seen your facebook pictures don't don't think that's the first time i've seen that Now she leads our saturday evangelism team I could be here all day. Doesn't it just seem that god just picks the ordinary people Just like me just like you. He's not trying to show off by the world standards, because then the world would say, "Oh, I understand why they are the way they are." Well, I, I know if you know Donald Trump got saved, he could build a church like Metro Praise. But you know, when God does it, He wants to get all the glory. So when a church like Metro Praise is built, it's usually that's the pastor. Yeah, really? No, really? Is that the? Yes. Then I walk up. Are you the pastor? Yes. I'm. It's me. Because they don't even believe I'm the. pastor I'm supposed to be some gray-haired dude wearing a suit. You know what I'm saying? God loves us the way we are, but loves us too much to keep us that way. Amen. This is what he said, one of his last words. Jesus came to them. Could you imagine this? He'd been with them three and a half years, laid down his life with them, slept and ate with them, prayed with them. Now, what does he say? All of this is after the resurrection. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So what did he tell the disciples to do? You go make disciples. Okay, John, now it's your time. Peter now it's your turn Matthew now it's your turn Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know where Jesus is right now? He's not looking for cathedrals. He's not looking for choirs. Jesus is looking for disciples. If you want Jesus to walk with you, be a disciple. And He'll be with you everywhere you go. Sometimes you'll ask yourself, why am I the only same soul? or Holy Ghost person here. It's because God placed you there to be a light shining in dark places. You're not there by accident. Sometimes you go through trouble. You say, why am I going through this? It's not always just for you. Paul said, sometimes we went through things so you could be comforted. Sometimes you're carrying other people's burdens because Jesus is with His disciples. He's looking for workers to work with Him. The time is short. Jesus is coming back. Look at the signs of the time. He is a Bow near, my friend. Are you a disciple that makes disciples today? Make a decision to have a devotional life, a spiritual life, a sacrificial life, a moral life, and a ministerial life. Now is the time. If you believe it, throw up your hands and say, Use me, Jesus. Come on, just say it. Jesus, use me. Come on, if not now, then when, my friends? If now's not the time, then when is the time? And if it's not you, then who? Come on, God's calling your name right now. We're going to do something different today. That's why I did the altar call at the beginning. There's not going to be a formal altar call, though at the end of service we'll pray, if you have needs still that haven't been met. But just as the band just begins to sing, I want you just where you are, maybe hands raised, knees bowed, whatever you've got to do. In your own words, to say to God, I am your disciple. And I need your strength. I need a spiritual baptism to live for you. Just where you are right now, make that decision. Because nobody can make it for you. Ben, just begin to sing and pray where you are today. You know what you're dealing with. You know what needs to change. Jesus. Today is a day of change. Hallelujah, God. Today, search your heart and ask Him as the potter to change you into who He needs you to be. If you need to kneel where you are or come to the altar, you can. If you just want to pray where you are. If you know the song, you can sing it. But most importantly, it's all about you and Him today. Come on, Jesus, have your way today. You are created. I pray for disciples to raise up in this church. And you today is a day of new life, new beginnings. Some of you might have to start with a moral life and say, God, get the junk out. For others, it may be a sacrificial life. You may need to pray right now and say, God, help me to let go of things I cherish the most. It's your turn today. Have your way, Jesus. It's a simple song if you want it to encourage you as you pray. Jesus, you are the potter. I am the clay. Come on, sing it again to encourage us, brother. All I want is for you to have your way. All I want is for you to have your way, God. You have your way. Jesus, you are created. And I am what you made. And I was. Finally, made. I surrender. Finally, I surrender. Come on, who today is going to surrender some things before you go? Finally Jesus. I surrender. Who's got to let go of some junk Finally today? I Just keep it real between you and God today. Let go Finally of it. I surrender. Come on, sing it out today. Finally, I surrender. Finally. Finally, I surrender. Finally, I surrender. Finally, I surrender. Come on, here's the profession. Here's the battle cry of a disciple You are God. You are God. I am man. I am man. You are sovereign. You are sovereign. That means God's in control of your life today. It's God. You are God. I am man. You are sovereign. Come on, sing it out today. Lift up your family to God. Lift up your dreams. Lift up everything who you are. All your weaknesses. All your failures. And let God know. He's in control today. You are God. And I am man. You are sovereign. That means God's in control. One more time, sing it out. You are God. Woo! Come on, some of y'all getting free right now. Now, just as the band plays, 30 seconds. Press into heaven right now. Come on, let God know you want your life to count. Let God know today you're going to be His disciple. Not because a preacher said so, but because you said so. Come on, press in. If all you know how to say is, Jesus, I'm your man. Or Jesus, I'm your woman. Come on, just say it from your heart. I'm yours, God. I'm yours. Come on, 10 more seconds. Make it count today. Oh, Jesus. We surrender, God. We wave the white flag today, oh, God. I can't do it without you, God. Take over my life today. Take over, God. Take over, God. It's all about you, Lord. You're the boss, God, of my life today. Not just the voices, you are God, and I am man, as an anthem to God today. And I am man, you are sovereign. You are God, I am man, you are sovereign. Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray you bless us today as your disciples. Encourage us when we fall down. You say, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get back up. God, encourage us to live for you. Let us know, God, that it's not just in word only, but in action and in deed. Today, not only do we say it, but we live it. Oh, Lord, we love you. We just want to be with you and do what you do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Can you bless the Lord today? Hallelujah. The band's going to keep playing. Greet somebody. Tell them you're a disciple. If you need prayer, we're going to stay up here if you want to keep worshiping.